This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, The Legendary Dog Whistle Brandon. For those of you who've listened to me for quite some time, you know how much I love to geek out on category design. And most of the time, I find myself focusing on creating new type of markets, not necessarily new kinds of humans, which is why for today's show, I'm excited to chop it up with Mason Hamlet, CEO of Woobies Inc., a better-known shoe company serving the protectorate class. You know, the kind of guys and gals that fly below the radar, work for three-letter government agencies, the military, and the first responder community. Mason and the Woobies team refer to them as freedom-loving protectors, or more commonly, the everyday elite. Instead of selling them coffee or beer, they found a new untapped market, badass footwear. On today's show, Mason and I discuss the origin of Woobies, why they've had to slow down to speed up, and their vision for building a billion-dollar shoe brand serving this everyday elite. Before you hear from Mason and I, do me a favor and check out my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, Violate Your Business Model, Build Your Brand, and Step Into Greatness, available on Amazon at the link in the show notes. All right, all right, enough of me talking. Gunny, get them ready. Yo, saddle up. Lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and Flawless Acceleration, where we're building the next generation of confident, resilient, and badass entrepreneurs and brands to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media, and head of brand at Flawless Acceleration. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB and FA. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Mason, my brother, welcome to Dog Whistle Branding. What's going on, man? Hey, man, pleasure to be here, Mike. Really appreciate the opportunity. So I ran into Mason at the Millvet Startup Conference, and he doesn't notice that him and I were kindred spirits because, you know, everybody was suited and booted, you know, had the little blazers on, little V-necks. Some people wore suits. I see my man Mason over there. He's got a hoodie on. He's rocking the Woobies. He's got the Woobies logo on it. And at the time, I think I found you all online because of the Joe Rogan podcast episode. Yeah. Right? And you, somebody from your team came out and y'all were like, listen, this is a big deal for us because we consider ourselves a small business. We can't express how huge of an opportunity this is, yada, yada, yada. And in honor of you today, I said, I'm going to put on my Ironbound boxing hoodie because, <laughs> you know, when I'm doing these panels and stuff, I try to come presentable, right? Yeah. So I wear my little blazer and V-neck, but 99.9% of the time, I'm rocking my hoodie and a fitted hat, a trucker hat, or my iconic navy boxing hat i like it i dig it welcome to the death squad brother like that's the way we roll over here at woobies man so for our listeners who aren't familiar with woobies please bring us up to speed on the brand absolutely so woobies is a veteran founded founded by anthony aginaga he was a seventh group guy green beret 2015 i started growing the brand kind of selling shoes out of the back of his car sourced some manufacturing overseas Really started to build the the social media presence. And then we had met, him and I had met when he went to business school here in Dallas at Southern Methodist University, 2018, right? So we're getting our MBAs together. 
And the whole time he's, you know, he's making progress. He finds a factory here in the U.S. And when we graduated in 2020, we were kind of ready to launch. You know, like I was like, I had just got done with a fintech startup that sold to a large bank. And so I was kind of ready for the next thing. And me and Anthony had, you know, just developed a relationship over over the course of those two years. So we had the American made Mod 1 ready to launch July 31st, 2020. And that was the low cut shoe that that uh, that he had designed. Immediately sold out as soon as we went live. Sold out in like ten, literally like ten minutes. Sold everything out. And so what I what I kind of thought my job was my role was finding a way to really scale this. And what we think we we've identified is a massive underserved market that's extremely loyal, and we call it you know the everyday elite. And kind of veteran supporting veterans. So yeah, that's since 2020, since we launched the Mod One, we've used some financing and we've really just grown grown the business, right? And scaling scaling that product. Last year we we dropped our second product, which was the Mod Two, a high top, a very successful drop, and we kicked off a seed round of financing. We're about halfway done late last year. That's where I met Mike earlier earlier this year. Yeah, so we're we're focusing on scaling a very capital intensive industry. Yeah, to, that's what that's kind of the story of Wobies. All right, so I got a question for you. All right, so brand started in 2015, but you all didn't actually launch your first product in 2020 until 2020. No, we launched. We that's kind of when we that's kind of when I came on board. We brought on a few other guys that, that we were selling some other products. Anthony was selling some other products. He had the company going. But that's really when we took it to the next level. We had just gotten our MBAs. We had just, you know, kind of got done with our, the MBA course. So we, had, you know, we had, you know, full time to to really focus. And that's when we really started to to scale the company. Right, the foundations had been laid over that period of time, and that's why Anthony went to get his MBA to to really find, you know, to really equip himself with the skill set that he needed to really scale the brand because we knew we knew it was sticky. We knew people wanted to buy it. It's just a, it's a, you know, if we can draw, we can draw, you know, tremendous traffic to our site, but if they don't have a shoe to buy, we can't convert them. Right. So it was always a problem of, you know, he would buy some shoes, sell them all, then have to buy more. It was, you know, the, the cash conversion cycle is, is still extremely complex cycle to solve for. Right. So that's, that's when I came, I came on, Brady had come on, we brought on Alan Hun. He, he helped take Playboy public. He's kind of our D to C kind of expert or, or marketing guy. Edgar Jones had come on and we really started to build the team to scale this product, scale the manufacturing capacity, bringing in the right capital and having the team to support that that level of scale. So that's what really the last, since 2020, what we've been, what we've been focusing on doing. And prior to 2020, what did the product skew look like? Like what were y'all selling? It was a variety of low tops and we had, there was some different SKUs there. It was mostly, it was kind of similar to a, to a van shoe, but the mod one really incorporated all the features that Anthony really wanted to bring to, to Woobies with our manufacturing partner at the time, SAS, we were really able to put all those, you know, really what we call the sneakerization of the tactical boot. We were able to put in all those military features that really makes a Woobie durable, you know, the comfort and durability and really makes it, you know, kind of like what, 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 what really separates it from the rest of the, the shoes in the market. 
Yeah, the reason I was bringing that up is because sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. And yeah. the minute you're like, oh, we got, we released product one, you know, the mod one in 2020, now releasing our second product, I hear a sense of focus even in that description. And one of the yeah. things I'm always advising brands, particularly D2C brands, is you got to get good at selling like one to three products really good before yeah. you try to start offering all these random ass products. Oh, um, man. Yeah, your inventory is going to kill you, you know, trying to trying to scale that many SKUs. Uh, we we did it, I, you know, we were learning as we kind of went, right? So we did it first with the first, it was a black mod one. And then we started, the second one was a Cemento or a gray, a gray shoe. And and man, when we were doing these drops, we would just sell out, like we're doing a color up, we're just completely selling out of the product, right? So we were trying to find ways to, to buy uh, you know, try to keep that cycle going to where we didn't run out of inventory and we were able to service service the and grow the brand, right? So you're absolutely right. When you get buried in that many SKUs, yeah, it's very capital intensive and you can't really afford to make a lot of mistakes. If you get a color wrong, if you get a SKU wrong, it can really cause a lot of problems for the business. Not only that, but operationally intensive too. Because if you're serving all these different products, they each have their own systems and processes for fulfillment. I'm telling y'all, it becomes a pain in the ass, right? Get yeah. good at one and then scaling from there is the way to go. And like, mind you, you said 2020, y'all wrote out the first one. It's now 2023 and y'all rolling out the second product. And so you stayed long, you stayed alive long enough to figure this out. Figure this out. Most people <laughs> die before they get there. They're like, that's oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Such a great point, Mike. Because like, bro, like so many times, you know, we, we came so close to, to dying. Right. And man, like we stay true to like who we are and we stay true to like, I think it's really important, the culture piece of, of a startup and having that, having that, that kind of camaraderie in a, in a, in a startup that really helped us, that really helped us through that. And we have, we have some, some pretty, you know, we were able to solve a lot of problems that that were almost insurmountable you know we always called it like the shoe god still favors right so we uh, yeah it was it, it was definitely it's definitely been a challenge to just to, to stay alive right and and to thrive right it's just a, yeah no I, I hear you you guys are the first shoe brand i've had on the podcast yeah. uh, and at first when i saw the joe rogan clip right i saw him rocking a hoodie so i'm assuming it's a apparel brand but then when i meet you in person i was like oh what's your product and you were like shoes i was like oh that's sick then I check y'all's Instagram. I'm like, yo, man, y'all ain't messing around. Y'all got quite the community on there. And yeah. I don't know if you you remember this, but I got out the military in 2015, but I got into CrossFit around like 2012. Uh -huh. And the gym yeah, owner. Yeah, it's real big on the Marine Corps. That's right around the time I got out. Yeah. And my, I really caught, caught up. Yeah, CrossFit. I trained at a gym called CrossFit Civil War, which was started by a guy named Brent Phillips. And he runs a company called Softly. Or so fleet, as ever they call it, yep, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. But Brett was the first one to start introducing me to all these veteran brands from Go Ruck, right? Mm -hmm. um, what else was some other? The Kill Cliffs. You would come in the gym. Yep. They got the Kill Cliffs in there. And then this was also right around when social media was taking off. So, you know, mm -hmm. 2012, 2015, you start to see a lot of these more veteran led brands pop onto the scene. And it sounds like from your time frame in 2015, y'all were still right there as this was taking off. But I think sure. shoes is such a hard market, right? It ain't like yeah. you're selling coffee. That's a yeah. hard market too. 
I ain't yep. nothing against the guys over Black Rifle because that is a hard CPG just in general. But you get yep. what I'm saying? Like y'all were there at the kind of start of this this growth on these veteran-led brands. But I think your product and the market yep. you were going after was just completely different than everyone else. It was, and it, yeah, it's a it's a really good point because in 2015, that's when Anthony was he was in the orbit of the guys with Oracle 15, Rocket, yep. some of those dudes. He was on Range 15. And he had he was in that community, those guys that eventually went on to start Black Rifle, right? And so he had learned, you know, through that process, that's where he really kind of was able to learn how to get, you know, how to get us our social media presence, how to get us, you know, relationships with some of these key influencers, right? And really build the foundation of the affinity towards the brand, right? So, you know, the affinity comes from our brand equity and from our product effectiveness. And if we don't have a extremely well-made product, and affinity, you know, have a have a have brand affinity. We really, we really don't have, you know, that was built over the course of those, really from fifteen to twenty. And I mean, we we're, we still build it now. But you're absolutely right. It kind of came of age, and right around that same time when a lot of those other veteran brands were kicking off. And to to go, to go to your point about the shoes, shoes are extremely difficult because. We didn't have a lot of data on, hey, what's the, you know, what are, what's our customer bases sizes and, and, and what do they want in Kohler's? So we, we have to buy, we use, we, we spend a lot of our, our time and, and analysis on what to buy because it takes probably about 90 days once we submit a PO to get the shoe over here. And so we have, we have a lot of things that have to kind of be correctly aligned to to push the product right so it's it's a it's a very difficult shoes i never thought i'd be in the shoe business especially you know even going on my mba but just seeing the opportunity that Wobie's had i you know we just said hey we're gonna go for this thing and we're gonna whatever comes in our way like we're gonna we're just gonna overcome it right so that's we're still standing and we're we're stronger than ever man what's interesting too is you guys really built a community amount around Wobie. Right? Did I, am I saying it right? Is it Wooby or Woobies? Woobies with an S. Woobies. Yeah, yeah, Marines, we don't know. Like, we, I don't know what a Woobies was. I know, man. I'm reading y'all's history and y'all are like, everybody knows that the poncho liner is the Woobies. And I was like, I have never heard that in my entire life. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, it was another brand that was online, OAF, OA Actual. Yeah. OAF yeah, yeah. Actual. You know, a lot of those Instagram accounts with those cult followings, some might have monetized, some haven't. But the fact that you guys have stayed around, that's what I like about it. Because, you know, we think about the 10-year overnight success. You keep hearing that story. Yep. To come up with an idea in 2015, not really start to get it to fruition until, like, 2020. Mm -hmm. And still hooking and jabbing, raising your seed round, I think you said, here yep. in 2023. That's real entrepreneurship. It's I know hard. everybody loves this fast, move fast and break things. If you got a lot of people that got deep pockets, that sounds right. You're trying to sell, you know, technology. You got a venture back tech startup, cool. But man, like, I think y'all are doing it right. No, I appreciate it, man. And and you're right. Like, if you have deep pockets, it obviously money solves a lot of problems. But at the same time, we wouldn't have learned a lot of the hard lessons we needed to learn if we weren't bootstrapping this thing. Anthony put everything he had into this thing. You know, me me as well, right? And then we start bringing on outside investment, and we use some remittance based financing. But not very little capital infusion. We were growing off our, our own cash flows, right? And 
we would have made a lot of poor decisions if we would have got a big chunk of money in at the at the beginning. I think that the journey of bootstrapping really gives you a lot of it really gives you a lot of lessons that you wouldn't have learned if you were just completely financed up front, right? So yeah, man, it's yeah, it's been a it's been quite a quite a ride. One of the many things I like about podcasting is because it allows me to like think in real time. So like I never come on and feel like I have all the answers, but as we start talking, my brain starts spinning. I wonder if one of the reasons it took so hard for the ramp up too was because in 2015, right? Shoes, like, let me rephrase this. In 2015, right? Probably wasn't easy to start a shoe brand. You know, it's like that hyper growth hasn't really taken off to make it so more accessible for mm-hmm. other people to jump in and launch brands. So what do yeah. I mean? Like podcasting, right? Podcasting now and how it was in 2015, completely different. Completely right? different. Yep. If yep. I wanted to try to podcast in 2015, there was still a relatively high barrier of entry because uh-huh. only a few people actually knew how to set up a podcast, what the best equipment was, what the microphones were. It was really like a cult kind of deal. But uh-huh. now, fast forward to 2023, we got platforms like Squadcast, right? I don't need a whole podcast setup. I can just plug in my microphone. So the space is more accessible. I'm willing to bet the shoe market wasn't really accessible back then. Not for small business owners that are bootstrapping. Absolutely. That's a very good point. And because you really need to, if you're going to capture, I've talked to, uh, you know, the guy that took Healy's, the the company with the the shoe with the wheel in it, took it public back in the early 2000s, Mike Stafferoni. And really to, to really, a lot of shoe companies will, will get capitalized. It will do go straight into wholesaling. We we've done it in a completely different way. I don't think it's been done before. And that's one, we're going straight direct to consumer. We're scaling off our own cash flows and some remittance-based financing. And we're just, you know, we're relying on high sell-through, very good marketing, excellent customer service, that brand affinity to help us grow, right? So we feel that this could be a billion dollar company and everyone that's involved feels the same way. So, yeah, it's just it's, the problem has always been the capital intensity of the shoe industry and getting those shoes over here, bought, paid for, shipped, marketed before you see a return. Right. And so, yeah, that's yeah, that's that was it's been that's been a, it's been a, it's been a wild journey, man. So we're still closing out. We're still trying to close out our seat and get the, the financing we need to really execute and grow how we, how we feel we can over the next five years. So take us back. Right. What okay. was the market opportunity that you all saw for Woobies to exist? Mm-hmm. And then what's your moat, right? What's that tactical advantage that you have to keep others from even competing in the space next to you? Yeah, no, it's a great question, right? It's a great question. And that going like too much into detail, I, I think a lot of the moat is surrounded by the, the, the veteran community and a lot of the collaborations that we do with veteran nonprofits and with, you know, and, and with the NFL, right? And as we get there, we, we're building moats around moats, right? To, to prevent people from doing what we're, what we're doing at Wobies. We're, we're, we're extremely driven by what our customers are, are asking for, and we're implementing those into our product and marketing strategies going forward. Right. So that's where we're, we're, we pay a lot of attention to, to our customers. And as we grow, Obviously that changes, but, but 
What was the first part of your question? When did you identify the key marketing? Yeah, the market opportunity. Where'd you see the, the market, market opportunity for Woobies to exist? We call them we call them the freedom loving protectors. This massive underserved market that is extremely loyal, has a good wallet size, and buys pretty frequently, right? And when when you wear Woobies, you can identify with what we call the protectorate class, right? The the community leader, the the veteran in your community, you know, the school teacher, the firefighter, the, the nurse, right? That that's what we feel that that the the market opportunity is. So. Again, I'm thinking out loud here, right? There was a time in my life where I used to think brand was enough, right? Like, oh my God, you got this sick brand. Everybody loves it. You got this following and you see this on Instagram now, right? Everybody's involved. Brand, brand, brand. But at the end of the day, you also got to have a fucking badass product and you've got to have a category with huge market potential. You do. So there's this demographic you saw, you identified, but you're like, you know what? We're not going to sell them coffee. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What else? We're not going to sell them beer. Yeah. We're going to sell them shoes. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get at. What was the opportunity you saw specifically for shoes? You know, with shoes, there was, we, we identified shoes, you know, and this goes back to when Anthony created the company in 2015. There really wasn't, you know, people were rocking all Thomas and we had, you know, fans to an extent and there was some features missing on those shoes that we felt that he felt at the time could could really bring a lot of a lot of features to to the market that weren't there right so we we have some tactical features but it's also a very accessible shoe that can be worn every day right if whether you're doing crossfit you go on a hike you know it's not really a running shoe but if you're in the service industry you know it provides a lot of those military type features in a shoe you can wear every day and that's really what Wobby's captures, right, with our shoe, with our product. I like this because, you know, I, the reason I've mentioned coffee and beer, those are just common brands that you see serving in the community. But I yeah. got a guy who I had on here, Frederick Soul, who's, who runs Sergeant Suds, which sells bar soap, like handmade yeah. soap for, for dudes, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm the guy that buys the bougie-ass soap from Whole Foods. So as soon as <laughs> I found him, I'm like, man, take my money. Yeah. I had another veteran brand, Verb Labs, that yep. sells CBD products to help you sleep and rest. And I bring that up because guys like us in the community, we're super consumers. You know, we have mm-hmm. other needs outside of beer, outside of alcohol and coffee. There's mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Now, apparel has been pounded to the pavement. Oh, obviously. Man. Yeah. But now, like, we, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. You ahead. are the only sh- uh, shoe brand. That's the, that's the point about Woobies, what makes it, that's our anchor is yeah. the shoe. Right. So that's our that's a moat in and of itself is the shoe. Right. And then the apparel is, you know, kind of additional. Right. You know, that's what Rogan's wearing the hoodie. Some other people wearing some of our other swag. But the shoe is what because it's the barriers of entry are so hard. Right. And it's so hard. Like if we can get there kind of first with most and that's our strategy, then then we feel we can capture this market. Yeah. So I think the, the shoe, the product itself is is a moat. Right. Because it takes so long to get, for instance, right. When we, we, had, we make our shoe right now in Spain, right. In Alicante, Spain, we have plans to actually kind of build our own factory in the United States. We're working that right now with Derek Carver. I don't know if you know Derek Carver. He was the world's strongest amputee. He got his, got a, you know, really high amp in Kandahar early 2000s and went on to become the world's strongest amputee. 
So he's, he's working with us now to, to kind of do some onshoring, right, with our own factory. And we have a lot of that going on right now. But to go back to my point, we had to build last year essentially a supply chain from scratch for shoes, which was incredibly difficult to do, right? And so we had to, we had to go outside. I li- essentially lived in Spain for, for three months, so did Anthony, to get the shoe to market to, to get it there, right? And so we learned a lot along the way, but the ultimate goal of Woobies is to have our own factory here in the, in the U.S., right? So, but yeah, that's a, that's a moat itself is the barriers to entry for shoes are extremely high, right? And if you don't, if you don't get it right, if you go out and you buy it, like you said, you go out and you buy 25,000 units, and you put them on a boat and you're buying your, your source in from Asia, you bring that product over here. Like it's, it's going to be, if you don't have, if you don't have a brand, if you don't have those other foundations. If you don't have the team to execute, you don't have the financial plan. You don't have the marketing plan. It's, it's going to fall flat on its face. Right. So it's, it's combining all of those layers of operational excellence, you know, you know, brilliance of the basics, right? Providing all those those levels in coordination to make a product really slap and grow, right? And that's what we're that's what we've been trying to refine and grow ever since you know ever since I joined, you know, in twenty twenty. You know, so we still got a long way to go, brother. Let me ask you this: This might be a trick question. If you don't know the background, what yeah. do you think Wooby's category is? Its category. Yeah. As a, as in reference to like purchasing, right? So human beings think in categories. So we're like, oh, I need ketchup, right? So what do they do? They go to the grocery store. What do they look for? The condiment aisle. Then you turn yeah. down the condiment aisle and then you immediately look for brand. And what brand do you think of? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Probably yeah. Heinz, right? Yeah, yeah. So when I go online, yeah, I can go online and look for shoe, right? But that's generic. Mm-hmm. That's too big, right? I don't necessarily think Woobies is a category king of shoe, mm-hmm. but if I'm the X type of shoe, right, you own it hook, line, and sinker. And I don't know if y'all have gone as no, deep no. really thinking no, about no. category. No, 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 no. It's the protectorate class, right? It's the protectorate class. That's what I was thinking. It's I was the- thinking the same thing. I took a note here. And when you mentioned, I've heard you use the protective class, freedom loving, protectors, and yep. then also the everyday elite. So your category is a type of human. Yes, exactly. Right. So when you when you put on that wooby shoe, not only do you feel like you get to go kick in a door, right? If something popped off with your your with your family somewhere, like it's one of those items that you can that you feel like I put on my wobbies, man, I'm I'm ready to rock and roll. Right. So that's that that is that is an extremely powerful mode in and of itself. Right. Is that brand what what people really identify when they put on that 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 wooby shoe. So this is important for our listeners to understand because you can have the best product in the world, but if there's no market for it, like you're going to fail straight up. There's no market demand. And what it sounds like you, you all did was you identified this community that you were all from that you Uh knew you could serve. But I also think now, particularly when you start talking about life outside of the military, you know, really creating, what does it mean to be? Whether it's an everyday elite, you know, a freedom loving protector, oh. or just a protected class in general, like you okay. all as a company have an ability to shape that, shape what it means, and define that category of human. 
I agree. I agree. Cause in, you know, like, you know, everybody that, whether you're a truck driver, whether you're a forklift operator, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a nurse or a doctor, everyone strives to be everyday elite, right? You know, everyone really that's, you can do that no matter what, what it is you do for, for, for work or with your family. And that is like one of the key pillars of, of our team is the everyday elite, right? That's why we want to do those collaborations with a lot of these, you know, the Semper Fi Foundation, a lot, you know, we did some collaborations with Heroes on the Water, the Honor Foundation. We want to, you know, we have a whole roadmap of collaborations with, with veteran programs, nonprofits and other organizations, American Legion, but also with the NFL, with elite athleticism and tying those two together uh, because most of those people that, that we're serving are also, you know, are also massive fans of the NFL, of what that represents. So the NFL, what does the NFL represent? The, the, the top, the elite of the elite, you know, I mean, it's the, it's the, you know, it's the, you know, it's the, the sniper team are the, the seal team of, of, of sports, right? So we're trying to control, draw that bridge with our, with our customers to where they feel when you put on a pair of woobies, you are identifying as as an everyday elite, right? And you're Bingo. also supporting veterans. Yeah, I'm not one of them, right? Yeah. That's the thing. See, nobody wants to be polarizing these days, right? When you're a brand, you can't be for everyone. Like, it's mm-hmm. really important for you to not only know who you're for, but also know who you're not for. And whenever yeah. I hear the term everyday elite, I'm like, damn, that's me, right? I take my little verb lab before I go to sleep at night because yep. I prioritize rest. Why? Mm-hmm. So when I get up in the morning, I'm getting after it. Try to get my workout in. You know what I'm saying? Try to watch when I'm eating, right? Yep. I'm a boxer. Just getting yep. after it. Not just, I don't know, being so passive and sedentary, right? Yep. Just letting life kick you in the balls as yep. opposed to fighting back. Taking the initiative, right? Ex- exactly. Yeah. And so that really resonates with me. And now you guys say, okay, you know, we're going to slow down, speed up. We need to really focus on this one core product, right? What did that go to market actually look like? Like, how did you set yourself up? I'm using marine marine terms, set conditions so that you were sold out in 10 minutes because people can hear that and they're like, oh, man, that's so amazing. But they don't realize the amount of work that has to take place in order to pull that off. A lot of that was built over since 2015. A lot of the social and a lot of the drip campaigns that Anthony had dripped out and a lot of the excitement around the Mod 1 was there. I think a better example and one I'm more familiar with was when we started doing a collaboration hoodie with Ed Calderon or Ed Manifesto. He's been on Joe Rogan a few times. He was a cartel hunter that the CIA kind of, they built a team in Tijuana. So we started doing a collaboration smugglers hoodie with him. Um, and we did a massive campaign going to California, going to Tijuana, getting content, going to Kingpin over, he's in Skid Row that actually made the, the smuggler hoodie. All the different compartments working with Ed Calderon on a lot of the secret compartments it had, a lot of the features that it had. It was a premium price product. And I mean, it took probably, I mean, overall, it took probably my probably took about six months from from ideation to when we dropped it on Black Friday in 2021, sold out in 24 hours, all of them, right? Immediately, right? Huge, huge opportunity. And that's and those are some of the things that really go into when we do, like, for instance, if we're going to do another drop, we have a few other drops coming up that are limited edition. Those are going to require a massive amount of work on media, 
getting those assets, collecting those assets and coordinating with whatever organization that we're going to work with to help us kind of bring more organic traffic to that product or that that one limited edition product. And then having the, the marketing spend and strategies to get that in front of the right eyeballs, we can bring them to our site and convert them. It, it's a, it's a huge, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge timeline. So we're, as we're monitoring our consumer behavior and how frequently they buy, we can actually build strategies on bringing other products in at the same time we anticipate them to be ready for another buy, if that makes sense. Yeah. So investing, like you said, in building the buzz, doing the collabs, right? As yeah. opposed to just blowing all your money on ad spend, because that's one of the big frustrations I hear from a yeah. lot of D2C brands is that, you know, they're being told when they go to these incubators and accelerator programs that they got to spend buku money acquiring customers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Allbirds is a great example, right? Allbirds, once they figured out they ran out of bros in San Francisco and New York to buy Allbirds, their customer acquisition costs went from 20 bucks to 80, right? And they took a bunch of venture money. And they have revenue goals to to meet. So they're having to deploy capital to acquire these customers. We have a totally different strategy to acquire uh, customers organically. And often, and, and we're going to do it like for, re- we're doing it on a real basis, man. Like we're actually going out, servicing the veteran community, giving back, you know, giving proceeds back to these, these foundations we're working with. Same with the NFL and a lot of their veteran outreach. You know, we have an idea for a homeless kind of vet bundle that we're going to we're going to be coming out with soon and a lot of these other things. So we we actually like we're actually doing what we're you know, we're actually providing value to these organizations. We're putting them in front of all of our eyeballs and then we're letting our customers decide whether or not, hey, do I want to give to this veteran cause or and, and this product that's tied to it? So it's it's real. Right. And I think that customers aren't stupid, right? Customers know, customers can feel when a product's real or when, hey, this is just, this is just a tremendous amount of ad spend that's dumping feet, dumping my feet, right? So when, when we do it in a systematic way, that's actually real and provides value to the veteran community, that's sticky. That's what people can, that's what, that's something that you can't do with just money, right? So that's, that's another one of our modes. I also have to think that you know, your limited edition drops also helps you with the cash flow because, you know, inventory can be a pain in the ass. You've seen a lot of these newer brands. Maybe they're not that new. I don't know the history of it, but like Kith, for example, which mm-hmm. follows a Supreme playbook of limited edition drops. Get it while it's hot and you ain't going to have a chance to do it. Yep. 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 Exactly. And we can reintroduce those. We can do color ups to those. And a lot of it is going back into the lineage of the, of the, the special forces or the military, right? And coming up with either, you know, vintage products, collaboration products, all the iconography, especially with like the American Legion. I mean, the American Legions, guys in our generation don't really hang out at the Legion, but we we feel that we can really make the Legions kind of great again and doing a lot of collaborations with those guys and, you know, having those those nodes across the country that we can activate, right? And we can actually provide value to the Legion, right? From a branding perspective, what are some of the, the biggest landmines you see ahead that you got to navigate? Hmm. Wow, man. Interesting. You know, most of my days consist of raising capital. And, and, you know, like once we close the seed, we will we will be able to focus on the strategic. But from a brand perspective, we we have to keep 
biggest challenges to the brand is maintaining a superior product, right? Maintaining excellent customer service, maintaining and, and getting our product also made in America, 100% vertically integrated and sourced in America, right? Another, another one is the, the, the brand equity, right? Keeping that brand accessible because like you said, we started with a community of, 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 of people that, that, that immediately identified with it. But as we grow, we want to make this available for, to show that protectorate class that this, this product's for me. You know, I've had people in the past say, well, I'm not a veteran. Can I buy these shoes? Of course you can. Right. So like building that, building the, you know, kind of reducing those barriers to where people feel, Hey, when I put this shoe on, I, I actually am a protector. I don't, I don't need to be a vet or a, you know, law enforcement. So that's a great point because I want to ask you, why has there not been more brands specifically targeting this group, this protector class? And not just, you know, the first responders and military veterans, but people like yourself, you know, you know, not braggadocious. You've uh-huh. done some stuff, right? Very proud of it. But, you know, you just kind of move under the radar. Y'all aren't very much going on television, talking about how amazing you are, right? It's definitely that kind of silent, professional kind of mindset. And so I have to think that there's probably been other brands that have tried to launch and say, hey, we want to do something around this. But it's the way the culture is of the protectorate class that could potentially be the reason that didn't exist. I hope that makes sense. No, it does. I think a lot of it, too, is is the strategies that, that our team is employing to, to reach this protectorate class. We're coming at it from a different angle, right? And we're coming at it. I don't want to give up like all of our secret sauce, but I, you know, I want to, we, we are approaching the protectorate class from a variety of angles, right? Work, protect, play, right? So we're hitting them from, we're getting them exposed to the brand from a variety of different kind of channels, right? And different, different ways to, for people to, to learn about Wobies, right? That is, you're right, silent professional, but you know, we're not, we're not trying to kind of scream America, fuck yeah. We're trying to be that protectorate reserved class that you know hey you're kind of in if you're wearing a woobies you're, you're in, in the, the know you're in the know yeah yeah right that's, that's what, what we're trying to build right we're trying to build that and i think we are building that yeah. you know? so it's just a it's a challenge of scaling that and getting that to getting it to the protectorates man and with you personally right coming in doing cfo work first and now ceo right how are you dealing with this you know, because that's for at least a lot of brands now. It's what they tell you. It's all about the the CEO telling the story, right? Yeah, Getting yeah. vulnerable, sharing your background. Oh and yeah. I use so a uh, soft fleet as a reference. Brett, Brett always gets me for butchering it. It's either I call it soft fleet, but it might be so fleet, right? Yeah. But anyway, yeah. it's a fitness app. Y'all know who I'm talking about. But he's just now like starting to speak publicly, right? He yeah. tells me he's like, I got to do more getting out there and whatever. But, you know, you guys in the protector class, like, again, it's never really been about you. It's never really been about chest pumping. But part of what we have to do as entrepreneurs, when, especially when you're bootstrapped, you got to look around and say, what do I got? All right, I, got a, <laughs> I got some bubble gum. I got a knife. All right, let's go. You know, yeah. I might be able to take everyone out, but I can get one or two of them. That's right? Right. <laughs> and so part of that is your story. And so. How are you dealing with having to be more public about your background and the yeah. things you've done? And how is the community as a whole? How is this protected? The protector class responding to, you know, Woobies being more 
kind of public because you see this yeah. in the seal brands, right? Yeah. It's two camps, right? Yeah. yeah. They're like writing books <laughs> and selling products. And the other ones are like, man, fuck those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, man. No, it's so true. So right, I don't know man. if you're dealing with any no, of that. No, it's, no, that'd be, yeah, that's a great question, man. Like it's one, this has been probably the most humbling experience of my life, right? Like I, I, you know, I went to, you know, I was in the Marines for eight years. I went through MARSOC assessment selection. I went through CI human school, which is pretty challenging school. The, the, a lot of sleep depth and a lot of mind games that play on you there. But mentally, this has been one of the hardest, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Right. And what the reason why that is, is because of, like you mentioned, consumer facing product, you're doing it for an extremely capital intensive product shoe, right? It's a little less forgiving than T-shirts or coffees and things like that. So the amount of problems that arise on any given day are, I mean, it, they are tremendous. Right. And it's it's a tremendous amount of pressure that you shoulder when you sit in that seat. And I think to fully respect that seat and to respect the people that have invested in this company, the people that have worked for this company and our customers, it is my duty to do, to do my utmost, man, to do my utmost, bro. You know, and I try to, that's what, that's what really gets me up every morning, man, is to build this company and to do the right thing for our customers, for our investors and for our people, man, you know, and it's been transitioning from the CFO role into the CEO seat. Yeah, it's it's a you gotta respect the chair, man. Like the chair is is will beat you down. The chair will beat you down. And uh, you've got to find ways to you gotta find ways to manage your time correctly to where you're not, you know, I'm operating, I've got a I've got a supplier seven hours ahead in the time zone. So I'm up from, you know, four and then I'm staying up till two. And you know, like it's you've you've got to be able to find ways to manage your time and manage that stress, right? But it's it's the most challenging thing I've I've ever done for sure. Isn't it funny before you jump in entrepreneurship, everybody tells you, oh, as a veteran, you know, everything else is so much easier, right? You'll never have to deal with your hardest day in the military, in the civilian world. I'm like, man, I ain't been an entrepreneur, man. Like, I've been a platoon commander in combat. This shit is hard. Yeah. It is hard, right? Because the difference, too, is this deployment doesn't end. Yeah, you're, it, exactly. Right? You know? There's no like, hey, man. Well, yeah, hey, we can sell this thing and whatever, you know, but it's like, it, yeah, you're right. And then it, there's no time off, you know, when you're a CEO, your, your problems are not going to solve themselves. Like you, you're the guy that has to solve the problems. You've got a lot of really talented people on, on the team and, you know, you're managing that talent, talent that, to work together, to work as a, as a, as a team. Right. And, and also to raise money to, to work with our vendors. Right. So it's it's wearing a tremendous amount of hats, you know, so getting off one call with with a with a disgruntled vendor. Right. That you're that you're, you know, whatever issue it was, you know, some type of quality control issue or something. And then you're having to jump right onto the next call five minutes later with an investor to talk about, you know, you know, how how awesome Wobies is. Right. And it is awesome. But it's just having to spin all those plates at one time. Is what is is what what is is the most challenging, right? But I think through through the right habits, you know, I've man, I was 180 pounds when I had started as as at Wobies, man. I'm like 220 right now, right? So getting back into those habits, those daily habits, like what you're doing, I used to love to kickbox, man. I used to 
I used to do it all the time. You know, I was in Thailand kickboxing before my MBA program. And, uh, and yeah, just getting those, getting that habit, you know, it's just really hard when you're getting called from a different time zone at two in the morning or you know, it's in your days. It's very hard to, it's very hard to regiment your days when they're, when, when you're actually operating a business that's, that's generating, that's, that's rocking and rolling at the same time you're raising money and you're solving a tremendous amount of problems, you know? So I don't know if that makes any sense at all, man. It does, man. We have to deal with a lot of head trash. You know, I've yeah. had to lower my standards. Some days I got to go just do 20 minutes, you know, yeah. just to keep yeah. moving. It's like, let me get 20 minutes. It's better than nothing, man. But Whoopies is a badass brand. This is one of, I hope, multiple touch points where we get you on the podcast. Yeah. And I just want to give you opportunity because, again, super humble. We chopped it up at Milvet. And I was like, bro, you got to come on the podcast. Yeah, and man, then, really- you know, here we are. But, man, I want to follow some more of y'all's journey. We'd love yeah. to get some more members of your team to come on the show and talk all things Woobies because this platform is meant to elevate and share the stories and pass yeah. on lessons learned, man, and yeah. spending the time yeah. to come on. No, I really appreciate the opportunity, Mike. And I think we could have possibly the founder, Anthony, or Edgar Jones, or marketing guy, Alan, on in the future as we continue this journey, man. I'd, I'd be really honored. Oh, heck yeah. Now, I do got to ask you, that BHAG, like that big, hairy, audacious goal, what is it for Woobies? And then also we have veteran entrepreneurs tuning in from all over the country, all over the world. How can we as a community help support you in accomplishing it? Oh man, the big goal for Woobies is to, to really give us a chance to service the market that we've identified, right? To continue to win, right? To continue to win, continue to, to raise capital, continue to grow our customer base and, and execute the plan that we have. That's, that's our, that's our goal. You know, we have right now, we got a plan to 2026. A lot of that's getting into B2G, uh, business to government and, and wholesaling, but we have a plan to get there. And also the, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest one is bringing fact manufacturing, having our manufacturer in the U S our own vertically integration of a factory. Love it, man. Well, y'all heard them. We got to support. We got to get Woobies there. In the meantime, how can people find you? How can they get a hold of you, Mason? Yeah, if get hit me up on LinkedIn, probably the easiest, Mason at Wolbies.com. Any you know, anybody has any questions, I don't know. I've learned a lot through this process, but there's a lot I don't know. But if, if there's any way I can help anybody, any vet out there that's that's looking for advice, I I'm I will make myself available. Appreciate you, man. For all our listeners, make sure you subscribe to the Dog Whistle Brandon newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter. Shoot me an email at michaelweirironbound.com or mess me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Until next time, peace, love. Have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we blend strategy, storytelling, and podcasting to transform veteran-led brands into dog whistles for your perfect customer. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by Flawless Acceleration, a new type of coaching organization blending the old school with the new school by providing one-on-one and group acceleration coaching to help you and your team win in business. We're not here to wear name tags, drink stale coffee, and sit in conference rooms telling each other how great we all are. You can do that at your chamber of commerce or some other networking group. We're here to fucking coach. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at FlawlessAcceleration.com.